and welcome to Minute 6 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Aaron Newworth of the Out Now with Aaron and Abe podcast. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm excited to, right. to have traveled by chair to get here. Traveling by chair is good. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's good. <laughs> and uh, nowadays that's all we pretty much can do you can't go much further than than traveling by chair well if you have wheels on the chair you can certainly get some distance in it depends how fast you can go yeah. you can also get some speed i, I i'm waiting for that espn <laughs> event chair racing <laughs> <laughs> i i think it will show up eventually especially if if covid continues the way that it is mm. up until now all right so minute six begins with a steamer trunk being placed in the trunk of a, a taxi and ends with the clock turning to the hour 5.58. So as we were talking about last week, basically the, the week ended with Neil trying to kiss this man on the street <laughs> to, get, to sell him his cab. And the two of them were haggling over prices, and they finally got to the price of 75. And basically, as Neil is handing over the money, we see a shot of a trunk, which we now know, which we will know is Dell's trunk, being placed in the trunk of the car. Then Neil says to this guy who, did, uh, did you know, did you recognize who it is? Uh, no, offhand. Who is who's the guy? Okay, this, this is the guy who played Targo in uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Oh, it is. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Jay, Jay and I discussed that a little bit last week. So Neil basically says to him, you're a thief. And he basically answers, close. I'm an attorney. <laughs> so Neil then reluctantly hands him over the money. Now, first of all, why would the guy admit? I mean, that, that's a pretty haughty thing to say, the way that he says it. You know, even if you are an attorney and even if you are, I mean, basically this guy's not the nicest guy around because he's willing to actually take $75 from someone for a taxi cab. I wonder if John Hughes had some sort of experience with the lawyer. That made him decide that, okay, I'm going to make the worst person in this entire movie an attorney. I don't know. Is he the worst person in the movie? What do you think about that? <laughs> um, okay, he's one of the worst. Sorry, okay, let's, 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 let's say he's the worst person we've met so far. How's that? <laughs> Fair enough. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's Hughes. It's shorthand as far as, like, you know, getting a joke in there about lawyers like I, I know what you're saying. It's like, yeah, would, would you just readily admit this, <laughs> Is this as being self-deprecating? But again, he's, you know, he searched, he searched for the best deal that he could get, and he got it. Yes, yeah. so. correct. All right, do, do you have any like favorite lawyer jokes that that, that um, you can think of offhand? Uh, there's, I forget which movie Walk and I think it's, I think it's Pool Hall Junkies with Christopher Walker, where he's like, what do you, what do you call a a, a pit of lawyers filled up to their neck with sand? Not enough sand. Um, <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I grew up with uh, truly tasteless jokes, so I remember there was there was a whole section in every one of those books dealing with the whole idea of lawyers. Mm. But so I, I decided to just try to find a random lawyer joke that I thought was pretty funny in order to to mention it here. I mean, we we could go on for hours talking about lawyer jokes, but I mean, obviously that's not why we're here. But I figured one joke from each of us should suffice. So my 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 lawyer joke is a man went to a lawyer and asked him what his fee was. $100 for three questions, answered the lawyer. 
Isn't that a little steep, said the man? Yes, said the lawyer. Now, what's your third question? <laughs> because this this actually reminded me of of, of Targo, you know, this this lawyer. That's something that, that I could see him doing, saying at that time, you know. Mm -hmm. So Neil basically hands over the money and, and says to the guy, have a happy holiday. And his response is, this will help. <laughs> I also think, I mean, if this guy is, is such a successful lawyer and he's, you know, doesn't really care and he's willing to take $75 off somebody, I don't know how much $75, 75 extra dollars is going to help him. It doesn't hurt. It, it can't hurt. It can't hurt. There's really, no really question about that. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So at this point, then we, we see the taxi pull away and the trunk isn't even closed because before they put the, the, the steamer trunk in the trunk, but we don't actually see the see it getting closed. And now we see that it's being held together with some sort of rubber uh, wire hose, something like that. So you know, it makes it that it's or maybe a cord or a bungee cord. I think it's a bungee maybe cord. Maybe that's what it is. Pretty sure it's a bungee. Yeah, cord. bungee. They use bungee cords back in the eighties. I'm sure they probably <laughs> used more. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's probably true. Oh, that's right. It reminds me from from the Goonies where they you know they they wrap Bram. Bram. Friend, right? They wrapped him around with were those bungee cords. No, actually, those were his. Those his own weights. They his his exercise. Weights. Yeah. No, they used his yeah, exercise. Like his, I mean, that's what I mean. Like his exercise equipment. Like. Yeah, exercise equipment. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why that that just came to mind. Whatever. Have you have you ever done that? Have you ever like put a something in the trunk and the trunk doesn't close? So you've you you hold it together with something. Yes. Um. Not specifically because it wouldn't close, but because we used to have um. My dad had an old BMW and it didn't have like a, a rack or anything. So when we put, we used to take the bikes to like go on a bike ride and like on a hike trail or whatever. So we put the bikes on the back of the car and you'd have to use bungee cords like around the trunk or whatnot just to make sure the bikes would like stay in place and the wheels wouldn't spin and stuff like that. So, oh, wow. And did they? Uh, no. Because we, did they stay in place? Yeah. They well, yes. Yeah. Yeah. They stayed in place. <laughs> it was all secured. <laughs> it was all secured properly. <laughs> oh, okay. Fine. No, because I, I wouldn't trust myself for that type of thing. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, you see people, see people who have all these things, you know, these big things on the top of their cars, you know, or the back of their cars and stuff like that. And, and my wife always tells me we should get one of those to put all the luggage on top. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to secure that properly. And we're going to be driving on the highway and I'm going to look in the rearview mirror and I'm going to see all of our luggage on in the middle of the highway. Mm -hmm. So I, I avoid that, you know, just rather that, you know, the kids are a little stuffed inside with, with all the luggage. What can you do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Neil then gets ready to enter the taxi and then looks and sees that the taxi is gone. <laughs> and then he looks down and sees a puddle on the ground. Did, did you notice anything in the puddle? What was in the puddle? So in the puddle, you have a shower ring, oh, which is okay, obviously yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dell's calling card. There's a cigarette butt in there. And there's also some sort of like piece of metal or something like that. I, haven't, I wasn't able to figure out what that is. But they do a great job because you see that the puddle ripples from from the, the the sheer force of the taxi just like taking off or something like that i gotta remember to watch and... these closer when i do this so <laughs> like, I, I take my notes <laughs> i watch these clips and then i'm like oh god there's like these little details that i'm like not getting the, the... did you did you forget that this is a minute by minute podcast aaron <laughs> it just doesn't occur to me to think about like what was in the puddle <laughs> i just didn't i didn't write it down like i probably noticed it in the okay. moment then but didn't write it down so it didn't stick to mind right okay and then we see targo hailing another cab for some reason neil decides that okay i've paid for this taxi now i'm gonna run after it and he starts it, it's pretty silly his run is hilarious because of the way he's yeah. holding his bags 
and it's Steve Martin and he's making faces and he's all dressed up. Yeah. Like it, it's a fun, it's yeah, a funny he, run down the street. <laughs> yeah, completely. And he's screaming, Hey, 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 that's my cab. That's my cab. Wait. You, you, first of all, you, you'd think that the, the cab driver would have said something or whatever he, cause they, the cab driver did talk to them in Friday's minute. So he knew that these people are haggling over his, over his mm-hmm. uh, taxi. So I don't know. And then he starts screaming, pull over, pull over. All right, pull over. That's my cab. And you can see that, that, that he's running past a sign that says it's East 54th street and park. So it still goes along with what we were talking about last week about the, the location of where he actually is. He still is in the same vicinity of where he was walk, running, walking in the last few minutes. And then he, he makes, he tries to like gesture for the, for the, the taxi to stop. But he's got like bags in his hands, yeah. so it looks like really funny. He looks like a, a duck, you know, trying to, to to waddle with things on his on his arms and stuff like that. So I, I just thought that was really funny, and and then he says to himself, "I know." And then as he's running down the the street, he passes Chemical Bank. So Chemical Bank <laughs> is was headquartered in New York City from 1824 to 1996. So they still were going to be staying here for another 10 years or something like that. In in 1995, it was uh, the third largest bank in the U.S. They had $182.9 billion in assets, which is amazing to to think of that number. Why is it called chemical? And you really want to know? (laughs) (laughs) I could could tell you, but I I think we'll go too long if I I do. Fair enough. Okay. You you can look it up on Wikipedia to get the the, the longer version of it. I, I I feel that I probably should keep it the short version of of what the Got chemical it. bank is. Yeah. I I actually did find out what it is, but and they they bought up a whole bunch of other banks over the course of of their the years that they were this main bank in 1848 when they which was 24 years after they originally opened in New York, they actually sold their site to Barnum's American Museum. Of course. <laughs> from 200 there were 270 park avenue where they they moved so i i thought that was really amazing the the connection there that you know barnum actually bought his property from the chemical bank mm-hmm. and in 1996 they actually merged with uh, chase manhattan bank and they actually took on the name of chase because chase was more popular at the time which is pretty interesting because usually when you have an acquisition between companies the bigger company that's swallowing up the smaller company is going to keep their name. But in this case, they decided that they're going to change their name. So, yeah, I found that a little bit interesting. So, again, if you want to find out why it was called Chemical Bank, you can you can look that up yourself. Because <laughs> we don't want to have a four-hour episode just talking about the origin of the Chemical Bank. And then he continues running down the street. And he screams, you're messing with the wrong guy. Now, who is he screaming this to? I guess just the world. <laughs> I guess, like, what is he at this point? Like, surely, yes, the mysterious person that stole his cab. But, I mean, just this whole scenario, which is, you know, it's the second time he's had to, like, dash madly down the street in New York at this point. Um, it's just, like, his whole his whole scenario is just being ruined constantly. And so, yeah, he's, I think he's yelling at at the, the the powers that be at this point right now yeah apparently that that's the way it seems and then we see another sign he's running down east 53rd street so he's still in the same geographical vicinity which, which is pretty good and then he passes an awning that says american express travel service 
So that got me thinking, okay, what's the origin of American Express? So American Express was actually founded in 1850 and their logo has been a centurion, which it still is to this day. In 2016, they owned 22.9% of all credit card transactions that were, that were done throughout the entire year. They have 54.7 million cards in the US with, what do you think the average annual user what, what what's an annual usage what do you think throw out a number usage yes each person who has a credit card how much do you think the average is that someone spends on a credit card in one year uh, am i in like the ten thousands in that in that range i i don't know tell me what you think i don't know <laughs> <laughs> spends on a credit card in a given year thirty thousand Okay, so no, you it's it's right in the middle of what you were saying between ten and thirty. It's nineteen thousand nine hundred and seventy-two dollars is no, well, no the average amount. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't say you're way <laughs> off. I didn't say it's. It's not like everyone spends a million dollars or whatever it is. So, so it it originally started out as an express mail business in Buffalo, New York, and then after and they were actually part of Wells Fargo. And then in 1857, they started a money order service in order to compete with the U.S. Post Office because they were trying to, to find ways to get people to, to start using their service. In 1889, one of the owners actually took a trip to Europe and had a lot of trouble because he wasn't able to, to get cash because at that time, they, people would use letters of credit in order to get money in whatever country they were in. And he had a lot of trouble with that. So he decided, he came back and decided to, he spoke to different people on the board and they, they came up with the idea of, of introducing traveler checks, which can be yeah. used anywhere around the world. And people still relatively use them. And they had them in the denominations of 10, 20, 50, and $100. During World War I, this became very useful for American travelers who were trapped in Europe because they had no other way of getting credit from the banks or some, something like that. So if they had traveler's checks that really uh, worked for them, the British government actually used them during World War I to send letters and money and other types of parcels to, to British POWs. They were actually sending 150 tons of packages per day to all the POWs in six different countries over the course of uh, World War One. In 1946, they decided that they wanted to start using something that they would call charge cards, but it never really took up. And then in 1950, Diners Club actually started using that. They used to have these, it was paper, these, these charge cards that they were using. And then they started trying to consider using it because, you know, if it worked for Diners Club, then why not work for them? So in 1958, they started using credit cards where they had a, a $6 fee for people to, to use it. And they, Diners Club charged five. So they wanted to show everyone that they are actually a premium service. So they charged more. And then in 1959, they started using plastic cards and they were the, actually the very first company to start using plastic cards, which as we know, even today, people still use plastic cards. They have gold cards, platinum cards, and things like that. They have lounges in 15 different airports around the world as of uh, October 2021. 
in order for anyone who has their cards, you know, they can they can use those travel lounges in different places around the world. So yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. All right. Hopefully, hopefully you do too, Aaron. <laughs> I like learning. <laughs> so he's continuing to run on the street, and he he gets there's a, a red light, and Neil actually then flings open the door and looks inside, and we finally get to meet Dell. Starts yelling at him. And he yells at him and says, all right, you son of a bitch. This is my cab. Get out. <laughs> Dell John Candy gives just the greatest, like, surprise look, mainly because it seems like he had to film it multiple times since they cut back to it. And it's like a different shot later on when we see it again. Yeah. And it's, it's like this, especially because it's like the first time we're seeing him and he's wearing, like, his hat and he's got his mustache. And it's like, this is such a ridiculous look that he's giving. And his blue. Like, and his blue. shocked. Exactly. And yeah, his, blue, his, blue, his blue coat, yeah. His blue heavy winter coat or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so Dell is completely startled. And then the, somehow, I mean, the, the taxi then starts driving again. But somehow the door just closes. You know, it doesn't look like Dell closes the door or or that Neil touches the door or anything. That it just ends up closing on its own. And the cab just continues to drive. Neil then falls backwards. And his briefcase falls to the ground. And then gets run over by a car. Now, if you pay attention, it looks like that car is actually aiming for it. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> maybe maybe Targo was driving that car. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it gets run over by a cab. And then somehow he's back on East 54th Street. So he's somehow back in the other direction. So <laughs> uh, I guess a little continuity error in geography there. And then he, he picks up his briefcase and it starts to open and we see all like the papers fall out, you know, and, and right before he picks it up, it gets run over by a second car. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then we get a, we, he looks around and we get a, a view around him of where he is. And we see that he's on East 50th street. So again, a jump in geography. And in front of him is the Helmsley building, which I'm not going to go into too much detail and tell you who, what, what the Helmsley building is, but it's basically a very large building owned by Leona Helmsley and her husband, who they bought it in 1978. The two of them were ended up and ended up being put on trial for tax evasion. I actually loved Leona, Leona Helmsley's quote about why she doesn't pay taxes. She says, we don't pay taxes. Only the little people pay taxes. So... She ended up getting uh, 16 years in prison, but in the end, she only served 21 months. And they they ironically sent her to jail on the 15th of April, 1992. Tax day. You're not going to pay taxes? We're going to put you in jail on tax day. <laughs> and then we see that Neil is just completely frustrated at this point. And then the shot changes, and we get a shot of the airport at night. We get to see the American Airlines building. And then we see a bus show up and Neil gets off the bus, completely exasperated. Then he walks into the terminal and he looks up at the clock and the clock says it's 557. And as it's the as he's looking at it, it turns to 558 to tell us that, okay, you're you have two minutes to get to your plane. <laughs> so one of the things I wanted to look up was when was sunset in New York in, you know, the week of in Thanksgiving week, 1986 or 1987, because we're never really sure exactly what year this takes place. 
Now, in it's that late in the year, it's very late in the year, and November is usually one of the earliest day or the shortest days of the year. So I looked it up, and in both years, sunset was actually at the exact same time on that on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. It's at four thirty-three. So if he's now getting to the airport at five fifty-eight, and he actually left his meeting. I mean, last week we talked about it. He left his, his meeting, I think it was after five already. So it should have been dark. <laughs> so. <laughs> those, uh, you know, those New York skyscrapers, they hold a lot of, a lot of, have a lot of sunlight. Apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> All right. And that pretty much ends our minute. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about this minute, Aaron? Um, I can't say I've ever found myself running through the streets wildly with my hands flailing while trying to catch a cab. So well, you're not Steve Martin. You're not one wildly crazy guy, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's the reason. Right. So one of the things that I do on every episode is I I actually go through the the differences in the script. The original script, they they actually filmed a four hour version of this movie that was edited down to the uh, ninety three minutes that that we're going to be discussing. So there's there's a whole bunch of discrepancies in the script in just about every episode. And the first discrepancy in this one is that Targo, when Neil tells him when he agrees to 75, so Targo says to him, let's make it an even hundred. And then he says to him, you're the one in a hurry. <laughs> so in the end, Neil had to pay him a hundred dollars. And then one of the things that they do in the script quite often is they tell us what time it is. So Neil looks at his watch and sees that it's 5.15 which we we never find out in the movie exactly what time it is. And then after the car takes off, the the taxi takes off, so Targo then says to to Neil, force majeure, my friend, force majeure. Do you know what force majeure is? I used to because I like that movie. Um, what does it mean? Remind me. Force majeure basically means superior force. Something, you know, it's, it's a common clause that they have in contracts and things like that. You know, it uh, basically something that can happen by an extraordinary event or circumstances beyond the control of mm-hmm. anyone. So, I mean, I understand why they cut it, but it, it, it's a nice line for him to say that anyway. It, it shows even more how much of a douche he is by, by saying yeah, something like pretty that. Pretty much, yeah. You know, then the script describes Dell. It says, uh, Dell is a man in his middle 30s, and when he flings open the, the door to the, to the taxi, it says he's opening a package of beef jerky. So he's sitting in a taxi eating beef jerky. At the time, Dell actually also was talking to the driver and he's telling him which way to go to get to the airport. And he says, don't give me that Triborough Bridge uh, is faster baloney. I've been to this town quite a few times. There isn't a cabbie in the Big Apple who can beat me on a fare. So, I mean, it, it's... Dell's being painted as like a... Uh, someone, someone's pretty sly. Yeah. He, he knows his way around. Exactly. So I, I think that's, uh, you know, I'm, it's too bad that they cut that out because that would have been nice to, to have in there also to have Dell show yeah, that, I, that, I get that he's worldly. Wanna... He's, he's, he's a very worldly guy. You know I mean, we get it throughout yeah, the I, movie. I, 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 I can understand that they want to preserve the surprise of candy to an extent. Yeah. So... Okay, that's true. And the the only other difference is they, they show that the exterior is LaGuardia, LaGuardia Airport. Now, oh. When 
Neil looked at his ticket last week. We saw that his, his actually he was leaving from JFK. And here, at least in the script, it tells us it's LaGuardia. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that later in the week also. We'll, we'll talk about that one. And then they, they have like a big description of, of the airport when he gets there. But we, we don't really need to go into that, that full description of that. So as we mentioned last week, we basically on Mondays have two different segments that we're going to be doing. The first one is Martin Monday. So Aaron is now going to give us his top five Steve Martin performances. And at the end of the, the, the last week of this podcast, I'll tally up everyone's choices and we'll see which are the top five movies that everyone thinks on a whole sounds good you want me to dig into any of these a little bit or just read the no no need, no need to you can if you want to but it's up to you all right okay i'll go from five to one um performances too as well yes. like i considered specifically the performance not necessarily the movie correct um so my number five is little shop of horrors uh which he's hilarious in yeah. as the dentist uh, number four is the Spanish Prisoner. Um, and nice great choice, little, great choice. Uh, I love, I love David that. Mamet, mm-hmm. David Mamet, uh, con film, and he he does good work there. Uh, three is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Okay. Uh, two is Bowfinger, which I find absolutely hilarious all the time. All right. And uh, and number one is The Jerk. Um, it is it's just easily my favorite steve martin performance i always love it okay those are great choices so the second segment that we're going to do today is off the beaten track and today i'm actually going to tell a story so it must have been in probably like 1980 or 1981 my my family and i were we were going to go down to to florida we were living in new jersey at the time we were going to go down to florida for for the holidays and my grandfather said that he'll take us to the airport and we're, we're driving along with him and he says that he's he knows a shortcut to get to Newark Airport. And as we get to the airport, we see our plane taking off. <laughs> <laughs> somehow, I, I don't know I don't know how this happened, but somehow my mother got us on standby on to the next flight going down to, to, to Miami. And me and my siblings, we all had to sit in separate places. I know that, that, that me and, and one of my sisters were stuck in the very, very last row when at the time it was, you're still allowed to smoke on planes. So there were, mm-hmm. I, I, from what I remember, there were these drugged out, you know, college kids that were sitting across from us the whole time. I, I don't know what they were smoking or whatever. So yeah, that, that's just a, a, a small little memory of, of a, a travel misadventure that I had at some point. Obviously, you know, I was just the, I think I was, I must've been around six at the time, seven. So I can't really remember that much of it, but yeah. So that's my little off the beaten track story for, for, for today. All right. Aaron, you want to tell everyone how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, you can find me writing in several places. I have my personal blog, thecodeisgeek.com. I write for We Live Entertainment for movie reviews, Why So Blue for Criterion and Blu-ray reviews, and I'm on Variety occasionally for some stuff. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4, plus the podcast that I host out now out there in Nave. We talk about the weekly movie releases. Cool. All right. And you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to the show. In order to find me, you can just do any search for Movie Rob Minute on Facebook, on Twitter, or look for our website, or you can send me an email at MovieRobMinute at MovieRob.net. Until tomorrow, you're f***ing. You're f***ing. <laughs>